All right. Well, <laughs> we are indeed live, Joe. I didn't get the video ready to play, but that's fine. Welcome to Just Joe King Podcast, episode eight, our first live stream on YouTube, man. How do you feel about that? feel pretty good. It's pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're doing it live, so there's no room for mistakes, you know? Yeah. Hey, man, there is a uh, very small room for mistakes, but we'll get through this. As the names say on the screen, I am one half of the Just Joking podcast, King. And I'm Joe. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. So if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're not subscribed, be sure to subscribe to the channel and uh, leave a comment down uh, below. We also produce this on audio in podcast form, and you can find it on all major podcast platforms. So, Joe, let's get started with our buddy check-in. How have you been going since the last time that me and you had our podcast recording? So, um, I've actually been dealing with a little bit of anxiety, a lot of bit, a lot of bit of anxiety. Um, I got, I got numerous things right now in my life that are, are I'm just waiting on um answers updates responses you name it I'm just waiting for information and nothing I can do can really affect the timeline of this information so I'm just sitting here and I'm just like uh it's driving me nuts it's hard to focus it's hard to think about anything else I'm just I got these four or five things where I'm just like, help me, please just put me out of my misery. Mm. Um, so I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety lately. Um, it hasn't really been affecting my fam. Well, it might, I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's one of those things where they have to tell me, I don't know if I'm affecting them or not. So, but I know the anxiety has been killing me. So that's what I've been dealing with for the last week or so. Okay. Uh, let's see for me, some, uh, good news and some not so good news. I have to make a decision tonight, actually, if I'm going to make it back to Alabama to attend a funeral for the mm -hmm. last of a generation, man. It is my mom's aunt, my Her grandma's mom. sister, and something about that just kind of stuck with me thinking about it, you know, thinking that that's the last of that generation. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, mm -hmm, now my mom and all of her cousins are essentially the old heads in the family. Wow. It's crazy to think about, you know, just to know that that generation is gone now. Mm -hmm. Ugh, that's, well, that's wild, man. Sorry to hear it too. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, there's a couple of things that I have to consider. My daughter, she'll be traveling with me if we go, and it'll be us driving down there, turning, uh, attending the funeral, doing what's called a repass. I don't know if a lot of people participate or do like a repass, but it's basically where the family gathers after the funeral and we share, you know, good time and we bond over food and, you know, things like that. And then sleeping and turning around and driving back from Alabama back to Maryland. That's that's a lot. Um, 
outside of that, man, everything's been pretty decent in my life. Uh, status quo, I guess, is the right word to kind of say really what's been going on. And status quo for me right now is a good thing. That's good. Hey, good is good, man. You know? Yes, sir. All right. Going from the check-in, let's hit up Vet Talk. Now, for Vet Talk, I'm going to get a little bit uh, into overshare mode, if you will, about my cardiac condition, how I got diagnosed with it, and how it's affected me, and then talk about some of my VA healthcare that came along with that. So back in 20, 2009, while I was serving active duty in the Air Force, I got diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And that's a lot of symbols. It's a lot. Uh, not, not symbols, syllables. And sometimes my Alabama uh, high school education can't say all those words, but it's called HCM for short. And in simple terms, what it is, is my heart is thicker in certain places than it should be. The reason why that's not a good thing is that it causes your heart to work a lot more harder than a normal, healthy heart. And I got diagnosed with uh, cardiac disease when I was, I wasn't even 30 yet, man, uh, about 20, 27, 28. And that was rough. It was rough not knowing, you know, how it was going to affect me. And the way that I found out was even more crazier. I was about to deploy and go down range as enlisted air crew. And my medical records got lost. Now you have to have your records to be checked out to be medically fit to deploy. And in the process of getting my medical records together, they had to redo my EKG and get a copy of my footprint. And it was while they were doing my EKG, uh, they did it six times by three different people uh, because I had a very abnormal EKG. Mm. Uh, and that was done on base. So that was while I was still, like I said, active duty. And they sent me off base to a cardiologist. And that is how I got my diagnosis, man. Um, some of the ways that it's affected me is, so I have to take uh, blood thinners, essentially, uh, for the rest of my life. And the theory, the theory or medicine behind that is it causes my heart to work uh, a lot easier. Mm. Um, and it affected my relationship uh, in my previous marriage. I've, I've been married once and I might only, I might only be married once um, as it caused my libido to just shoot all the way down. And, um, you know, when you're married and, you know, one of the pillars of uh, how people deem a healthy marriage is sex and your libido is just not there. Um, I wasn't necessarily sure what the cause of it was. When I finally talked to my doctor, turns out the medicine is or does or can, I should say, have an effect uh, on all of that, man. 
So, uh, and that was something that I wasn't necessarily ready to think about. You know, no 20-some-year-old dude doesn't want to not have a sex drive, especially in their marriage, right? And it caused me to be depressed, and I didn't know it. Did not know it. And a lot of bad things spurned from that mind state. Uh, And it was a contributing factor to uh, the end of my marriage. Not a major factor, but a contributing factor. Yeah, that's crazy. That's tough, dude. I mean, especially finding out at that age. I mean, that's changes. Your life changes, you know what I mean? And as with any condition or disorder or or whatever, it's just, you don't expect it when you're young, you know, you expect to hear shit like that when you're older, you know, when your body has had time to wear out or wear thin, you don't expect it when you're still in your prime, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, so for me, I've been getting my health care through the VA and it's been fantastic. I have had zero complaints since my diagnosis and receiving the uh, cardio care, uh, cardiology care that I've had through the VA. I'm hearing other people not say the same thing and it's a little bit baffling to me. Um, but sharing my experiences with the world, it has been a one the entire time. Good. Um, looking else, uh, or kind of going over in vet talk, man, that's really all that I wanted to bring up about, um, you know, the cardiology and how it's affected me. I did have something to bring up to share on the screen, but it's not working right for me. So I'm just going to skip that. (laughs) Um, how's your vet care been brother? Well, I'm not going to lie, um, and you're going to see the camera going in and out. Unfortunately, I'll, I'll have to figure something out for the next time. I'm going to probably have to buy one or something. Um, now, um, so it's it's a little different for me. Um, you know, my, my diagnosis and everything started when I was still active duty also, Um I was, I had just returned from Iraq and, um, you know, it was in that process of recovering from that, that, you know, they discovered that I was bipolar and, you know, later they diagnosed me with, with PTSD to go alongside it. Cause you know, um, but while I was in the army, my care was actually really good. Um, my care about my units, not so much, but from the mental health professionals, um, I remember specifically the first um, sergeant, uh, sergeant first class who who uh, helped me out. He's the one who got me um, sober and, and got me in to see the right people. And, uh, he turned, he saved me, honestly. Uh, I was in a really bad place at the time. And, um, I started getting care. I was at Redstone Arsenal, Alabama at the time. 
and uh, I started getting care there. And shortly after I started getting care there, I ended up um, getting stationed in Germany. And when I got stationed there, I had these two doctors. One was a psychologist, one was a psychiatrist. And the two of them combined really, really helped me. And I will say that my unit at that time, they didn't really care about me that much. Not in a bad way, um, like in the way where they didn't make a big deal about me having two or three appointments a week. Okay. Almost consistently, uh, one to two or three a week, every week, just because I was, I was in such a bad place with, with my PTSD and my bipolar disorder and my depression and anxiety. Um, all, all of those things just compounding. And I was dealing with them for years. Like just because, you know, I got back from Iraq doesn't mean I hadn't been dealing with some of this shit prior to. And, um, they really pulled me out of it. There was a lot of um, group therapy that I did for PTSD and stuff like that. And at first I was super like, mm, you know, it's not for me, but eventually, you know, I got into it, got used to it. And uh, Hey, super C thanks for coming in, man. Um, but like, I don't know. It's th those those two providers turn, turned my life around and helped me really come out of that hole I was in. They got me on the strict regimen of medication. That started my years now of, of, of mental health therapy that I will say the VA has been really good about that care. Like yeah. anything mental health, I haven't had too much of a hassle I had some hiccups when I first retired from the military dealing with um, this one provider who's no longer with the VA anyways. So that tells you that, you know, maybe it wasn't just me, you know what I mean? Um, but that person definitely gave the VA a bad name for me until the VA was like, nah, this person's bad for everybody. So, you know, but overall my VA care has been, exceptional in that regard there's other things where the va has been lacking on me and it's that's a different um that's a different diagnosis slash issue i don't know if you want to talk about that here or if we want to talk about that somewhere else but uh there, the va for me has been about 75 80 percent positive and about 20 percent negative um, for that one provider that you had an issue with, did you do anything or submit any type of feedback against yes. that provider? How many times? Oh, we're having, looks like we're having some technical difficulties. Oh no. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You're back. Um, did you hear the last question? Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I re reported that person twice. Um, and it was a few weeks or months after that, that the person was removed. Um, what had happened in the second time that um, I reported that person, they had actually canceled my medication 
um, because I stopped receiving care at the VA because of this person. I started receiving care at Walter Reed for like two years. So like this person chased me away from the VA for a couple of years. So, um, but this person canceled my medication and that's when I came back to the VA and I'm like, look, this person canceled my medication on me abruptly. I'm not supposed to be without this medication. I've been on this medication for like 15 years. I'm not supposed to be off of it. And um, I ended up going cold turkey for like two weeks. It was it was brutal. It was bad. Um, but it was dangerous more specifically. Um, but shortly after that, the person was removed and the VA was reaching out. They were like, hey, we got new providers. Do you want to come back and start getting care uh, here at the VA? And I was like, absolutely. And uh, I, I went I started going back to the VA. It's been great ever since. What do you mean by it was like brutal and dangerous for you? And how did you get through that? You know, maybe there's something there that can help somebody else out that is going through something similar. See, it's tough because everybody's going to react differently. Um, I, I could argue that I had 15 years of this medication in my blood. So maybe the effects of not being on it for a few weeks wasn't that severe. But um, it was really hard to manage my um, – it's hard to explain my impulses almost. Um, like, you know, you get angry, you get super angry, you get sad, you get super sad. Um, and it could go from, from one thing to another. Like it could just be something that comes up that just immediately just bottomed me out. I was just – I had no energy. It just – fuck this, it sucks. You know, I'm just, I'm done. And um, the only thing that got me through the, those few weeks of, of being off this medication was, was my wife. Um, and I had to miss, I missed a lot of work uh, just because I couldn't maintain. I couldn't, not that I couldn't function, but it was really hard to appear functional. You know what I mean? So, okay. So it was it was tough. It was hard, but it's going to be different for everybody. But, you know, for me, you know, 15 years of being on a medication and just cold turkey, get off of it is dangerous. It's not just it's, you know, some of these medications can kill you. So you got to be safe with it. You know, getting back onto it afterwards took took several weeks because you're supposed to walk up, not supposed to just immediately take the full dose. So, okay. Well, uh, oh, uh, did you get any immediate feedback from like the VA administration when you did the initial uh, reporting of that doctor? No, not at first. Okay. Okay. I've always been curious, like with systems like that, if they give you some type of feedback that acknowledges that they've received it and that somebody's looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first time, yes. The second time, not so much. But after the second time, the person was removed anyways. So, okay. but there was, there was several years in between. Good. Good. Um, all right. Well, so it sounds like at least from both of our experiences with using VA healthcare, you said you've been about 75 to 80% uh, positive. I've been closer to I've been closer to 
a hundred percent. I can't think of a bad time or a bad experience where I have sought VA healthcare and it was frustrating or just bad in general. That's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's good. I'm glad somebody's having a hundred percent. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. That is up, oh, Siri. Be quiet. <laughs> Let's go to our next uh, talk, man. So I'd like to get your feedback on something. And it's something that we've talked about in one of our previous episodes, and that's mental health and relationships. But I'd like to set this specific topic up in a certain uh, way. Uh, I was having a conversation in a group and in the group, uh, I am a huge advocate of when you're coming off of a divorce, get therapy before you try to get into another relationship. Yeah. And I say it for several different reasons, but the biggest reason that I say, say it is that you know, there's some type of trauma coming off of a separation. Um, and you may not really know what that is or how to deal with it. Um, so for me, I say screw relationships, work on yourself before you jump into another relationship. And I had somebody on the side and she's going to be watching this when she gets off work, uh, tell me that with her uh she has ptsd and bipolar disorder yep um and uh i'd asked her if it was cool to bring this up on the podcast and uh she has said go ahead she said that she feels like me saying that she should get or not she but that a person should get help before getting into another relationship for someone like her it sounds like doom and gloom because she'll never be okay to be in another relationship. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to wrap that in my brain to see if, you know, I was wrong in what I said. And I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Well, um, so first off, there's a lot of things that come into play when you have bipolar disorder and PTSD. Uh, One by itself is already enough. Like it's already a challenge. It's already hard. So I can understand where somebody is coming from when they think it's impossible to maintain a healthy relationship with uh, somebody who has bipolar disorder. Because let's take PTSD off the table because PTSD is tough. PTSD is hard. To deal with and it's hard in a it's hard on a relationship right but let's take that off the table for a second let's talk about bipolar disorder bipolar disorder is 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 a relationship wrecker sometimes um it's really hard with the people who struggle with bipolar disorder and struggle with impulse control um uh the idea of cheating isn't really a, not a thing, but it's, it's it, when you are going through mania or you're going through an upswing or whatever you feel like calling it, um, uh, 
you tend to do things to make yourself feel better or you do things because you think you can because you don't care because you have no feeling about it you you get super numb and like man it's so hard to explain but let's let's go to a place where i was a long time ago um i would go on binges um that would last three four five days and we're talking about i don't know if i slept during those times Mm. um i knew that i consumed a lot of alcohol i knew i was engaging in risky behavior like lots of risky behaviors um i'm not going to get into it but no one can maintain a relationship when they're going through those things because it's going to eat away at any relationship that you have. And it did, it, it ruined friendships. It ruined relationships. Um, I'm, I don't know how it didn't ruin my career. Like, let me tell you, it should have like with be without any doubt, I have been extraordinarily lucky to have made it this far with how I was before I was receiving care. Um, So you take those things and if that's what you're dealing with at this point of your care or your, you know, of your healing process or whatever you want to call it. um, Yes, it looks unattainable. Relationships don't seem possible because you are not a healthy person to be around. Um, You're just going to drag somebody else down, you know, like, because that's unhealthy behavior. That's how we know once we're finally figuring out what's going on, that something is wrong, right? Um, So being at that point is a no-go for anybody. Um, So, oh, it's a lot. Getting the care that you need, getting the mental health um, support that you need, working on yourself first is the most important thing. Um, There's a book that I read a long time ago. It was called An Unquiet Mind. And it is, in my opinion, if you need to understand that you're not alone, read that book. Okay. Um, it. it it, it helps people who don't have bipolar disorder understand what it can do to somebody. It helps people with bipolar disorder understand that what you're going through isn't necessarily – it's unique. It's unique to you, but it's not necessarily a wholly unique experience. Um, other people go through it too. Other people go from this horrible, unsustainable business model to a healthy lifestyle. It, it is possible. It is attainable. But it shows you where somebody can be and where they can end up. So An Unquiet Mind, it's a fantastic book. Um, so when I started going through like the really bad part of my life with the binging and and the the days of I can't recall what's what, what what I did or what happened to me, um, starting here, ending there without knowing anything in between. I had already been divorced for the second time. 
um, which could be those divorces could be from being undiagnosed and whatever, but I have to take some ownership on that too. So it, it was me. It wasn't necessarily my illness. Like at some point the illness cannot be a persona. It has to be something I have, not something I am. So I have to own the things that I did. Um, but so after those divorces, I'm going through all this craziness. Eventually I finally get care. Eventually I start seeing therapists, taking medication, uh, doing everything I can to sustain myself. And this is a really long drawn out way of me explaining just how much work it takes to get from unhealthy to a reasonably healthy place. Um, cause as that person knows the one you, you know, you talk to, there's no cure for this. There's, this is forever, right? So I worked on me for a very long time. It took me several years to be in a place that's healthy-ish. Then, when I, especially when I wasn't looking, I found somebody who had to be very patient like she, I gave her an out early on. I told her, you know, you don't have to be with somebody like me. Like you don't have to be with somebody who has issues. You could be with a perfectly normal, healthy person. And she stayed. She read that book, An Unquiet Mind. She did homework about, like she learned about what bipolar disorder is and what it, you know, what it can do to the people. Um she had to be very patient with me because there were days where I, even though I was medication, um, therapy, working, you know, there were still times where it was really hard. So, yes, even when you're healthy, it's still going to be exceptionally difficult. But love tends to oversee those things or overtake them. I should say. Um, I think deep down, you kind of have to be a hopeless romantic at that point anyways, to kind of hope that somebody's going to love you more than they can deal with your shit. But mm. loving somebody is dealing with somebody's shit anyways. Just because you don't have bipolar disorder or PTSD doesn't mean you're worth loving. That's something somebody with mental health disorder has to understand first. Like it's like, you're worth loving if you want to be somebody who can be loved. If you don't want to be loved, then nobody's going to love you because you you don't want it anyways. And I guarantee you, even though you don't want it, somebody out there wants to. You just haven't found the person yet. You know what I mean? That's that's the funny thing about love. It doesn't, it's not affected by mental health disorders or physical disabilities. It's not affected by your net income or your, your financial worth. It's, it's governed by something entirely different and it's, it's entirely possible despite anything. I mean, we've seen people who've been blown up and lost limbs and the people who love them stay with them or they found somebody to love them after they went through this life altering event. 
and those people are happy. Did they ever think they were going to be happy? I don't know. Maybe there's probably moments in their darkest moments that they didn't think it was possible. And at those moments when you don't want it, it might not happen, but it's in moments like those that if somebody loves you, it's going to show, you know what I mean? I have bipolar disorder, PTSD. I have hearing loss, tinnitus. I have a cable holding one of my shoulders together. I have a lot of things that are that suck. And I have a lot of dark days. But even though I have those moments, I have been in a marriage now for over 10 years. I have three beautiful children. And it's still working. Like I'm, I'm able to like, there are days and this person will probably feel like this at some point in their lifetime. There are days where I worry if my spouse will leave me because it's so hard to deal with this stuff forever. But as long as I'm owning my shit and I'm not taking advantage and I'm being honest with both her and myself, like that's that's the one thing when you have a mental health issue and you're having a subpar day, it's okay to say it, it's easy, not okay. It's easy to say to yourself, well, they'll just chalk it up to me be bi bipolar or having PTSD. I'm just going to fuck off and I'm going to not try hard. It's very easy to fall into that. Don't be that person. Set rules for yourself. Set limits for things. Because there are going to be days when you can't get out of bed. But on the days that you can, make sure that you do. Because the person will see when you're not trying. And that's when they start to get tired. Because if you're not even going to try, why should they? Mm. You know? And that's something I make sure to do with my wife. Like, I don't... I try so hard on the days where, can I? Yes, I absolutely can. It sucks, but I can, so I will. And then there are days where I absolutely can't. And those are the days where she understands. But she sees me on the other days trying. She sees me not giving up on those other days. The love somebody else feels for you is a reflection of the love you have for yourself sometimes. That's a bar. You know what I mean? You, you, if you don't love yourself, somebody else can't love you for you. You know? So it's hard. It's not, It's never going to be easy. But relationships are hard as it is. Relationships are always a challenge. I mean, you're, you're two very distinct, unique individuals who now have, have, have to come together like two pieces of a puzzle and make a picture that works. So it's tough. It ain't easy. How far into you finding out about your diagnosis and getting the treatment that you needed, did you come into your relationship with your wife? About four or five years. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you know, this was uh, a divorce. This was a few years of sobriety and treatment. And then, I backslid into drinking, but I was still receiving my care and my medication. Um, but yeah, 
it, it was a few years of actual therapy and treatment and stuff like that. So, but my suggestion for the person who is diagnosed with bipolar disorder and PTSD, it's really hard to do because the VA will only treat you for one thing at one time. Don't ask me why. It is extremely frustrating. Make two appointments, one for treatment for PTSD, one for treatment for bipolar disorder. Don't let them tell you you can deal with both by taking care of one. If they're not going to take care of all of you in one appointment, make sure they're taking care of all of you in at least two or three. Do what you have to do to see to, because PTSD has different symptoms from bipolar disorder, although they do have some overlap, but the PTSD is going to do some things to you that bipolar isn't going to do. And bipolar is going to do things to you. PTSD isn't. So you need to deal with each of those things, even if you have to do it uniquely. It would be great if somebody would sit down and talk to the whole person like they're supposed to, but sometimes they don't. So question for you, do you know how people get healthcare? Like for example, you and I are fortunate enough and lucky enough to use VA healthcare. Um, what do you know about people that don't have good healthcare and how they would be able to find some type of treatment uh, for something like PTSD? See, for me, I have no idea. My entire adult life has been in the military or or with the VA, so I really I really don't know. It's it's unfortunate. Like I understand healthcare is a shit show in this country, but I, I just don't know enough. Never had to worry about it. Same here, man. Same here. And and I sometimes have to remember that when I'm talking to different people in various groups, that not everybody's able or fortunate enough to have, you know, really good healthcare. Because uh, I'm double covered, if you will, from my mm -hmm. uh, current job as uh, as well as the Veterans Affairs uh, healthcare benefits same. that I'm yeah same. That I'm uh, receiving. Okay, all right, man. Uh, I appreciate your input onto that, and to the lady that is going to uh, watch or listen to this, be sure to leave a comment down below or talk to me when. Uh, we have our next meeting and let me know what you thought about it. Now, Joe, as we always do, except for one episode, you've got a word of the day for your boy. What I you do. Got? I do. All right. Today's word is inculcate. Spell that. I-N-C-U-L-A-T-E. Inculcate. Inculcate. Inculcate is when you have to cool something off and you have to put it under a certain temperature so you inculcate it to cool it down. No, not even close. Damn. <laughs> uh, that's good, though. It's a good try. Solid effort. Yeah. I will get uh, one of these right one day. What, well, you were pretty close with um, with one of them. I can't remember which one now, but you were pretty close. 
Um, so this one is to instill an attitude, idea, or habit by persistent instruction. Okay, so let me say that back. To instill a habit or idea by persistent instruction? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like being in the military. Mm, they, you know, that basic training, AIT, yeah. They 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 teach you something by by just sh- changing your behavior, just making you do something enough that you figure it out to inculcate. Do you know if inculcated is a word? Um, I mean, probably. I will look that up. I have to uh, find a reason or a way to use inculcate by the next time man, you have episode nine of the Just Joking Podcast. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, we have gotten through episode eight, the first live stream of Just Joking Podcast. We had one commenter. Come in, Super C. That is my homeboy. Uh, He supports a lot of the things that I do. Me and him had grew up together. And I actually, you know, told him that this one was one of the ones that he didn't necessarily need to join because it's a lot of um, uh, vet stuff and other things that I know he's not interested in. And he came back and told me, hey, man, I support uh, or whatever the hell you got going on. So send me the link. That's Just cool. like that. That's cool. <laughs> Appreciate you, Super C. Yeah, brother. Well, hey, man. Uh, we've gotten through episode eight. If you are tuning in on YouTube, we are Just Joe King Podcast. And we'll be uh, live, I think, Joe, right? I think we want to keep doing this live. I mean, we can. Yeah. I mean, why All not? Right. Let's get some people to... to- you know, come on in, say something to us, ask us some questions. All right. And we uh, we produce this show live every other Wednesday for now. And tell the listeners about our other platforms as well. So you can find us on all the big streaming platforms right now. So look us up, Just Joe King Podcast. You can find us on all of them. I've checked. Uh, and you can, t- you can check us out on YouTube too. I mean, that's a great place to find us. If you want to like put some on in the background, all your smart TVs have it now. So throw us up. And we also have a Facebook community page. It's small. We've just started out, but you got to start somewhere. I'll leave the link to our socials down in the description box below. All right. Well, Hey Joe, uh, I never know how to end these things. So, uh, what you got brother? Just be good to each other, man. Life's life's challenging enough as it is with everybody getting in each other's way. Just be good to each other. Love each other. I mean, that sounds, you know, very hippie, but, you know, love is love, man. I can rock with that. All right. Well, you've tuned in to Just Joe King Podcast. We're out. Peace.